Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 25 of Revelation chapter 11. And we're going to be reading Revelation 11, verse 13. In the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. In our last Bible study, we were looking at uh, the great earthquake um, language as it's found in some other places. We saw in Revelation chapter 6 that uh, the Lord spoke of a great earthquake in connection with the sun becoming black as sackcloth of hair and the moon turning to blood and the stars falling to earth. And we uh, we saw how that relates to the language after or immediately after the great tribulation, after the tribulation of those days, the sun is darkened. And also we went to Revelation chapter 16. And again, in the context of Judgment Day, God spoke of a great earthquake, Megas Seismos, something that has that had never occurred in the history of the world, an unparalleled great earthquake. And we realized that God was identifying a great earthquake with Judgment Day, but as we've learned, that Judgment Day uh, begins in a spiritual way, that is, on May 21, 2011, no one could um, see any um, noticeable difference from that day and, and the days previous. It, it seemed like any other day. And yet, there was a drastic difference because on that day, God ended his salvation program for this world. As far as continuing to save people, he he had, at that point, saved everyone whose name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. All of those predestinated to become saved had become saved, and that permitted him to shut the door of heaven. And, and that was a spiritual act on God's part. He is the one that opens the door of heaven in time past, and he is the one that shut the door of heaven on that day, and no one could ever see when the door was open, and, and no one could ever see when it was closed. And it is that action that God likens to a great spiritual earthquake. And we were looking in Acts chapter 16. And I want to go back there in Acts 16. Because the the same two words, megas, seismos, are found in Acts 16. And those two words together are not found too often. Um, just, just a few times in the New Testament. And a couple of times maybe in the Old Testament. They, they, they point to Judgment Day. But we also saw in Jeremiah 10, verse 22, 
where in, in the King James Bible, it says there was a great commotion out of the north country, that the word translated as commotion in the Hebrew is a word translated as earthquake in other places in the Old Testament. And therefore, there was a great earthquake that came out of the north country. Uh, and Well, let me read that. I, I don't know if I'm remembering that exactly right. In Jeremiah chapter 10... It says in verse 22, Behold, the noise of the brute is come, and a great commotion or great earthquake out of the north country to make the cities of Judah desolate and a den of dragons. And and that, uh, of course, is familiar language to us. We know that uh, this refers to the churches at the time of the end, and the church became desolate spiritually once the Spirit of God departed out. And, and that left the church a, a, a desolate wilderness. And, and that is what identifies with a great earthquake spiritually as far as God's judgment on the church. Well, it's the same thing with his judgment on the world because it's the same cup of wrath. On May 21, 2011, the day of transition from judging the church to judging the world, God brought to pass a spiritual earthquake, a worldwide spiritual earthquake. It impacted every living person and especially had great importance to every unsaved person because God's Spirit left this world insofar as salvation is concerned. He left the world desolate in darkness with no more possibility for salvation. And this this is the earthquake. And in Acts 16, we read of a great earthquake. And let me read the first two verses again. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. So we we see there was a great earthquake that occurred and we don't read of any damage, only that it opened up the doors of the prison and everyone's bands were loose, setting them free. And that's the only recorded um damage that the earthquake did and and it was actually um very positive insofar as those prisoners were concerned they were released from their prison released from the shackles that bound them and that was the only thing that that we can see that megas seismos brought to pass it it was the release of those prisoners who were in the prison with Paul and Silas. Now, the language of great earthquake makes us think that uh, what we're reading in Acts 16 relates to Judgment Day, but but so too does midnight in verse 25. The, the great earthquake occurred at midnight, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed. Now, midnight is a, a time that normally indicates judgment in the Bible. Now, the context uh, determines which judgment is in view. 
Uh, for instance, in Exodus 12, in verse 29, we, we read in Exodus 12:29, and it came to pass that at midnight Jehovah smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Midnight brought a grievous judgment upon the Egyptians. All of the firstborn of Egypt were were slain. We uh, we also read about midnight in Luke in chapter eleven. In Luke eleven, where the Lord Jesus is uh, teaching us to pray. First, He gives the Lord's prayer, then. He gives another prayer or instructions for prayer in verses 5 through 13. And what's, what's interesting is that in this parable in which the Lord is teaching us to pray, we can really see that he is teaching us how to pray in the day of judgment. The Lord's prayer is a prayer that basically gave instruction on how to pray in the day of salvation. But once that that transition was made, as I mentioned earlier, from the judgment on the churches to the judgment on the world, well we're we're in totally unchartered territory. God's people would would experience things that uh the people of God had never experienced before in the history of the world. As we have learned, it has been God's plan to leave his people on the earth during the day of judgment to live through it. But uh, we're living in a time when there's no more salvation. And so the Lord's Prayer doesn't fit. It doesn't um, help us uh, as as it was such a wonderful and great help in the time when God was saving because then you could pray the Lord's Prayer, which, again, directs us into how to pray. And you could pray, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And and there's a petition for salvation. But, again, God does not want to confuse his people at a time when he has ended the possibility of salvation. So he devises another prayer. And that's what the Lord gives us in in uh, verses 5 and following. And let me read from verse 5 of Luke 11. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine, his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. All right, well, we're we're not going to go into uh, this parable at this time, but we do see the language of the door shut, which uh, we could go to other verses to show how that relates to Judgment Day, and in conjunction with Midnight. Again, midnight. Just as 
Um, we, we were reading in Acts 16 at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and there was a great earthquake. So there were two elements there that point to judgment day. Likewise, there's two elements in Luke 11, midnight and the door is shut. Well, um, there, there's one other instance and I'm going to read it just, just so we can see that the context is important when we're looking at midnight, midnight itself does not point to the final judgment. It just points to judgment. In the context of, in in a passage where God is indicating this is judgment day, it points to the final judgment. But uh, elsewhere, it can um, spiritually point to the judgment on the church. And it does in Matthew 25, when we read in, in verse 5, While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Now, we we know from uh, this parable of the, the ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, that midnight cannot refer to the final judgment, because... Um, the cry is made at midnight and all of uh, the virgins were slumbering and sleeping and that points to the church age and the cry at midnight woke them up and and that relates to God opening the scriptures during the great tribulation the judgment on the church the the judgment that began at the house of God and and it was at that point the cry was made, the bridegroom cometh, the, the declaration that time is short and the appointed day was revealed and made known to be May 21, 2011. And, and then a little further along in verse 10, the bridegroom comes and that is that judgment day, the, the time we have entered into. So there midnight does not point to the final judgment, but it points to the beginning of judgment at the house of God. Well, let's let's go back to Acts 16. And in Acts 16, again, um, in verse 25, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, let, let's compare that to our um, place in Revelation 11. In Revelation 11, we we read at the end of uh, verse 11, and great fear fell upon them which saw them, referring to the two witnesses. And then in verse 12, and they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither, and they ascended up to heaven in a cloud. And And remember, we saw the cloud represent judgment. And so they heard a great voice from heaven, and in the prison where Paul and Silas are praying and singing praises to God, the prisoners heard them. Paul and Silas, two men, just like we read the two witnesses in Revelation 11, and they're in a dark, dank dungeon. We, we can imagine the conditions. There, there were um, no... No overseers, as far as we know. Today, in in modern society, we take great care to make sure prisoners are treated well. But that wasn't the case then. It was probably 
a filthy place and a, a wet place and and a place where you could you could get sick and stay sick for quite some time before just wasting away in death. And here in these ugly circumstances were Paul and Silas, two men of God, praying and singing praises to God. You can imagine that, yes, the prisoners heard them. The prisoners were in no mood. They they certainly didn't feel like singing, and they definitely didn't want to praise God. But look at their circumstances. Look where they were. How strange, how unusual these two new prisoners, uh, newly brought in, and, and yet they're in such good spirits. They're, they're praising God. What, are they lunatic? Are they crazy? Don't they know where they are? Can't they look around and, and see the darkness all around them? Well, we can see how the prayers and, and the praises would have sounded loudly in the ears of those prisoners. Everyone in the prison would have been aware of the presence of Paul and Silas and and listening. They would have heard their testimony. And that's uh, that's exactly the situation with the two witnesses. Once they stand on their feet, the, the people of the world who the great fear of God's elect fell upon them, those which saw them, and they heard a great voice from heaven. They heard the message of God stand out in the darkness of this world. There is a great similarity between a dirty, dark dungeon and this world. Spiritually, this world lieth in darkness. It's a filthy place. It's an ugly place. Oh, yes, there's much singing and and people are praising gods of gold and silver. There's a lot of that kind of praise going on. But as far as singing to God and praying to God and glorifying God, no, there's there's very little of that, if any. And yet there came that point in time when God opened up his word and sent forth his messengers to carry the the message the the um, serious message of an approaching judgment day and the light of that uh, word of God the illumination that that gave off caught the attention of all the world and they all were listening and God's elect heard they heard just as these prisoners heard Paul and Silas praying in that in that prison long ago. And then, after hearing, there's an earthquake. Just as we find again in Revelation 11, that uh, it says in verse 12, they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. They ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake. There is the witness of God, the the bright shining light of the truth of the Bible into the darkness of this world, and then God brings to pass a great earthquake simultaneous in a, in a way with the salvation of that great multitude it is is the way God is viewing it. 
And here we have these prisoners, they're, they're captives, just like all of God's elect who were uh, not as yet saved were captives in the, the dungeon. Uh, they were enslaved to sin and Satan. They were bondmen and bondwomen doing servitude to their lusts and desires until the time that God finally at the very end, just like the thief on the cross, when uh, right before his death uh, and God saved him, well, so right before the the spiritual death of this world was about to take place, when the Lord would shut heaven's door once and for all, God saved a great many um, that were still left to be saved. And and what happens when someone becomes saved spiritually? It's like the prison door is open. Their bands are removed. They're, they're free and free indeed. This is the beautiful language of the Bible. Uh, for instance, in Isaiah 61... It says in verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me, because Jehovah has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Jehovah and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. And that's exactly what God did during the day of salvation. The day was about to close. The, that prolonged day of salvation that had, uh, been in effect for 1955 years of the church age. And then there was a period, the first part of the great tribulation where, wherein God was virtually not saving anyone. But then came 1994 in September and God once again stretched forth or, or set forth his hand to recover the remnant of his people. It was a second glorious outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a second glorious jubilee period, and a jubilee set the captives free. And now the jubilee was coming to a close. The day of salvation was coming to a close, the acceptable year of the Lord was coming to a close and, and God finally with one great mighty, um, I, I, I don't know how to put it as he would put forth his hand to touch the hearts of souls all over the world at the last. He freed them in salvation. And as Revelation 11 describes, they ascended up to heaven to be seated in heavenly places, as Ephesians 2 tells us. And and they were now safe and secure in Christ, and uh, they could never be harmed. And that's what's happening here, is the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. See, God is indicating one effect of the great earthquake, that... The Judgment Day, simultaneous with Judgment Day, was a great release of the captives. And notice the language of all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loose. There were, there were none still in the prison. 
none whose prison door, uh, that is, whose prison door was, was closed and locked, none who had chains binding their feet or their hands, their bands were all loosed. And that points to the completion of God's salvation program at the time of the great earthquake, the time of judgment day. Well, then it goes on to say in verse 27, the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Now, isn't that interesting that here was a great deliverance, a a great miraculous thing occurred when the prison doors opened and everyone's bands came off and you would think that these prisoners would have just begun to run. They would have gotten out of that prison. Some of them had been there probably quite some time and yet not one of them left. Not a single prisoner left the prison. Now, how how can we understand this and see the spiritual implication that, that God is giving us? Well, here's how we can understand it. When we realize that Acts 16 is speaking of midnight, it's speaking of the time of a great earthquake, and both of those things relate to the final judgment day. It's And it's describing a great release of prisoners at the point of a great earthquake. And so we know that God did save a great multitude out of great tribulation. And yet, when the earthquake has stopped shaking the prison, the foundation of the prison, and when the jailer comes out and he sees all the doors open, that none of the prisoners have left. None have escaped. And what we can understand from that is God's plan to deliver his elect, to deliver that great multitude, but then not to rapture them, not to take them out of this world and into heaven. There, There is no one, not one of them, not a single individual of those freed captives fled the prison. And likewise, not one of those that God saved during the Great Tribulation has been raptured, has been translated into heaven. We are all still here. We are all living on the earth in the day of judgment. And Acts 16, I think, with the prisoners um, being free, just like all of us, if we're a true child of God, we are free. We are not a prisoner of, of sin. We are not a prisoner of Satan any longer. We are a free man. Christ has made us free. We are free indeed. But we remain alive and living on the earth unto that final day of this prolonged period of judgment. And then on that last day, God will will uh, take his people up. On that last day, he'll resurrect the dead, but not at this point. 
and and Acts 16 is in a very interesting way. God gives us encouragement that yes, yes, I did save all those that that I uh, had said I would save, and yes, the judgment did come. A great earthquake did occur, and there was that glorious opening of the prison as the jubilee came to a close and yet it was all spiritual and and so we can look with renewed expectation good expectation for the hope that the bible gives us that god is doing exactly as we have learned he is trying his people throughout this period of judgment day for the unsaved and severe testing for the elect. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.